This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117, with a shout out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 114 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, January 9th, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we welcome Jeff Grubb of VentureBeat back onto the show to discuss the latest announcements and rumors of 2022, including Ubisoft Plus arriving onto Xbox, the PlayStation and Xbox lineups of 2022, and what future projects are in the works at studios like The Coalition. NFTs, gaming collections, and acquisitions are the name of the game in 2022. Enjoy the episode. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I want to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness go to... My third time guest, the man who has been on this show for three appearances, Mr. Jeff Grubb of VentureBeat. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back again. This is uh, fun. We kind of make it a regular thing every couple of months. Get on here, hang out, talk about games. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you here. First episode of 2022. Happy New Year to you. The industry, as you and I were saying prior to recording, has awoken. We've got gaming news this week. Yeah, 2022 is is here. People are back to work and they're like, oh, we should probably go figure out and close some of those deals we were working on and actually announce them and stuff. So it's it's nice. It's it's actually happening. So for a man with his his ear to the pulse of the of the gaming industry, do you know about some of this stuff ahead of time or do you get to be surprised like the rest of us with a few of these? Uh, it's some some you hear about, some you know, some yeah, you're completely surprised by. It's 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 the whole spectrum. Um, you know, we've been hearing about Ubisoft Plus coming to Xbox in some form for a very long time. Early on, it was, oh, it's going to fully come to Game Pass. And then uh, more recently in the last few months, actually probably longer than that now, time, time, what is that? Um, <laughs> but it's like for, for a long time now, it's been like, no, it, it'll come in some way. And then Ubisoft will kind of just remain friendly with Game Pass and continue to put games on there. And that's what we saw. Like there was Rainbow Six Extraction and uh, that's going to Game Pass, and then also Ubisoft Plus heading heading to uh, Xbox, not part of Game Pass. So it's like, okay, yeah, it kind of all finally came together there. You you wonder what takes so long, but a part of it's probably just like Ubisoft doing a lot of math. Like, hey, what what's going to make the most sense here? Is this going to uh, uh, do we need to like make sure we have plenty of games there before we launch? Like, what's the right price and all this stuff? So it's probably just them trying to make sure they're going to do this right out of the gate because you only get one chance to like launch a, a service like this on a console. Absolutely. And Ubisoft is a strange company in my mind because yes. when they were fighting off, I want to say it was Vivendi, they were putting out games that everybody wanted. Everyone wanted to see it. Uh, flash forward to now, you're getting high quality Ubisoft games, but I think people are tiring of the formula. And then you have uh, tumultuous times in in how they're treating their employees and what they're planning to do business practice wise with NFTs. It's a difficult thing to predict what a Ubisoft company is going to do. 
you know, with, with extraction coming to Game Pass, at the very least, I feel like that's a good choice for the survivability survivability of that game. Yes, I, I think so. I mean, it, we've seen a lot of games uh, along that sort of style come to Game Pass, and and you know, I, at the very least, I do think they get off to a better start. Um, and I think it was Back for Blood and Outriders that I'm thinking of, and now the Anacrusis is kind of yeah. getting a similar sort of treatment. Um, I, I think like one of these is fully going to like stick. One of these is going to find that audience that's got like is going to play this game forever in the same way like Left for Dead got played forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know. I think Extraction knows, I think Ubisoft knows that Extraction needs something like this to ensure that it has an audience without going free to play, without going like fully free to play. And I, this is this is a good move. This is a good move that could help that game survive in the long term. Quick shout out to Czech Valashek. We had him on the show. Uh, he's oh, the one making great. Anacrusis. Uh, yes, seems like a is. really good dude. I've not gone on hands on with Anacrusis. Have you? Uh, yeah, yeah, we played it. Uh, we played it on Friday night. Yes. Uh, we got I codes. I secretly knew that, Jeff. I secretly ah, knew that. Ah, yeah, you set me up. Man, this is like a professional production you got going here. This is just like every talk show I've ever watched. I'm like, oh, oh look yeah, at that. he knows what he's doing. Uh, it is fantastic. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It is. Uh, it. So, you know, I guess for people that don't know, it's like um, Left 4 Dead, but on a spaceship, like a futuristic spaceship and the aliens. It, it's, it's not, it doesn't try to go for creepy vibes. It tries to go for like uh a uh, sort of mod style 60 sci-fi vibes mm-hmm. and so it's it, so it's kind of like this this chill environment but like you're also never safe just like you were in left for dead and so uh, mm-hmm. uh the, the quintessential moment for me was when i uh we got to the end of a level and we're about to get into the airlock because you gotta get in the airlock that's your safe room you gotta open the door and close the door and we haven't seen an alien for like 30 seconds so we're good and i'm like oh here's the room let's go let's go in we open the door i walk in i'm standing in the middle of the room totally thinking i'm completely safe like oh this is it we did it <laughs> and suddenly i'm just like i like blink and i'm halfway across the like the, this chasm and i start screaming when i realized that a grabber grabbed me and was dragging me across the room and they they didn't know what's going on they just heard me screaming and mm-hmm. of course his arm gets stuck on like the grabber's arm gets stuck on something so i fall down the chasm and die and it was just like this it all happened in like five seconds like not even um and it's like okay this game's gonna be that it's gonna be you're you're just gonna be having a good time with your friends talking about, I think we were talking about Seinfeld or something and then suddenly mm-hmm. screaming and ranting and everyone's losing their mind. Cause things went sideways on them. Uh, I'm real excited about the potentials for that game. Cause it, one of the, like I said, one of these games is going to like find that audience. And I think um, uh, Chet's game has a good chance because he, I think he has a good understanding of what people come to these games for and wanting to play them for a long time. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And that's going to be on Game Pass in like, what, like this week, like a couple days, right? Two days. So yeah, yeah, people should check it out. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree. And I too am curious which one of those is going to stick because we've seen, I mean, you know, Back for Blood was meant to be the next Left for Dead. Uh, right. Everything down to the naming convention. Uh, but Chet is over here making the Anacrusis. And uh, so one of them is going to stick. Rainbow Six Extraction is the game that I feel like nobody really asked for. Yeah. And yet, uh, you know, here it is. And that's kind of to, to bring it back to Ubisoft. Never quite sure where their head is at with, with certain choices. Uh, I've not gone hands on with that one. I'm not even pressuring myself to go hands on with that one. But I don't feel like many of the people on the Internet are either. Doesn't feel like anyone's clamoring for this game. And we're about to, to launch it. Yeah, I think um, they did like that, that zombie fighting mode, that three player zombie fighting mode in uh, Siege a long time ago. And that was fun. It was fine. Uh, and of course, now, like they're breaking that out into its own full game. 
Um, I think that there's a chance that people who are super into Siege, which there are a lot of, and the people who are, are very into it. I think there's a chance that they look over and they're like, okay, I, we do want another thing to do with our friends, this crew that we play Siege with all the time. And we could just take our understanding of many of these characters who are going to be in extraction, apparently. Again, I'm, I'm not super familiar with it, but that's my understanding of how it works. And, mm-hmm. okay, and we could just take this 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 information, this these skills that we've gathered, and just transfer over to this other play style and have a good time with that. I, I think it's got a chance of, like, of building slowly over time, just like all of these probably are. Like, I mean, Back for Blood's not gone like we talk about these games like oh they're, they're gone and forgotten maybe outriders is gone and forgotten but uh back back for blood is is, is probably going to get another update get another chance to shine get another chance to grow get a probably a dlc with some you know some uh ips like some mm-hmm. ip characters in it or whatever and have a chance to go grow but uh i think extraction is probably going to be on a similar trajectory where it'll just prove itself slowly over time and that siege audience will come over first and then maybe other people start coming then later mm. True. And to listeners, guys, I'm admittedly biased given that it's an Xbox show, but the joy of Game Pass and it being day and date in there is go in, have your fun, uh, and then move on when you're when you're done. And that's right, something no Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean I did that with Back for Blood, I did that with Outriders, uh, and plenty of other games. Go in, have a good time, and then move on. And if if certain IPs can bring me back to different uh titles, Jeff. So, you know, if they do some crossovers or they bring in some major right. players from another thing, I mean, yeah, I'll go back. I'll go back for certain things. Sure. I booted up Fortnite because Master Chief was in it. And then, you know, that started an awful trend of, of here I am. Uh, <laughs> did I ever tell you one of my students, this is at Halloween. I'm, I'm Master Chief for Halloween. Kids are coming around and several, several students were like, oh, you're the guy from Fortnite. Um, and it was at that point that I failed them, all of them. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, of course. That's Oh my gosh, crazy, crazy. But Ubisoft Plus, now this is separate from Rainbow Six Extraction, kind of muddled in the messaging there, but Ubisoft Plus is a service that is not coming to Game Pass at this time, but is coming to Xbox. Uh, This is a tiered system, or or can be a tiered system at some point. Uh, It joins EA Play and coming to the platform. Is this a good move for Ubisoft, or should they have kind of bundled in with Game Pass? I mean, this is, I think that, that uh, these publishers aren't exactly sure what the right move here is. I think most of them understand that uh, the trend is toward Game Pass, and Game Pass is slowly turning into a, a kind of a black hole where it's gonna, its gravity might be inescapable. So, um, I, I, you know, I'm pointing to EA Play, EA Play being there. I think that's what it's still called now, EA Play. Uh, and it's um, it'd be really hard for EA to extract EA play from game pass. Like to be like, Oh, and now we're no longer in game pass. And if you want this stuff, you have to pay us eight bucks a month or whatever. People be like, uh, I was getting it as part of game pass before. That's insane. I'm not going to pay you that money each, each month. It's not worth that to me. Um, right. it, it would be a very tough move for them to pull off. So EA is kind of linked to game pass for good now. Um, mm-hmm. and Ubisoft knows that once it puts that, that toothpaste outside of the tube, it can't put it back in. So they are tiptoeing in that direction and trying to resist, trying to make sure that they fully understand what they're committing to before they do it. Um, so I think this is the right move in terms of gathering data and stuff. But I also think in, in, in the long term, inevitably, I do think most of these things are going to some in, so, in some form get sucked into Game Pass and be a part of that. Um, it's what consumers want. It's what Microsoft wants. Uh, and and there's when, when you have like that much money going in that direction, um, it's going to be and like no one really wants a standalone Ubisoft subscription. I, I, I will pay for it here and there, but it's not going to be like the main thing that I'm going to have uh, one, like 24-7. I will get it for the new Assassin's Creed, and I probably will cancel Ubisoft Plus in a way that I don't cancel Game Pass. Uh, and so 
you know, maybe they'll make more money that way. Maybe they will. Maybe a lot of people will forget. But I think ultimately they are going to end up in Game Pass years down the line or some other thing is going to come along and, and disrupt all of this. But right now, the, the trajectory we're on is that. So they're, they're trying to make sure they're not going to make a mistake first. True. And I'm weary of... Uh, like EA Play separately, Ubisoft Plus separately. I'm weary of that because they can only have so much cadence, whereas with a service like Game Pass or the eventual PlayStation competitor, they can have indie titles, they can have their first-party right. stuff, they can bring in third-party deals. There's always a, a variety of what to play, but if you're going strictly Ubisoft, strictly EA, uh, I have to think that's rather limiting uh, to a certain extent, anyhow. Um, yeah, Jeff, especially when they're all competing for the same content, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and you, that's nail on the head right there. Uh, I consider the fact that Ubisoft Plus is deciding what to do, but there will be an eventual PlayStation competitor. Uh, if Ubisoft Plus goes into Game Pass, you know, and, and that PlayStation competitor comes out, do they have to launch into PlayStation service? Uh, and, and you could apply this logic to Amazon Luna or if, if Google Stadia's eventual successor ever comes out like whatever the subscription service is once you tie yourself to one do you have to be in all of them um i I don't know if you have to be in all i mean so ubisoft plus is already available on luna right like you could subscribe Mm -hmm. to it as like a channel i think uh, like just like amazon's video like prime video stuff works you could subscribe to the ubisoft channel and get all their games streaming from luna uh now, it, it, like the, that's still separate from like the Luna subscription, which has its own fee and its own games and stuff like that. So, um, I, I I don't think so. I mean this stuff's going to take a lot of money and it's going to take a lot of of finagling and agreements between these companies. So it's a lot of work. So I don't think it automatically follows that uh, if you like if Ubisoft Plus or whatever ends up in Game Pass, that then these like you, they would just put them in all these other subscription services because Microsoft's going to pay. Microsoft has a big budget; they're going to pay. The, the right amount of money to make this happen um and uh but but yeah it, it, and i don't think necessarily that amazon's really willing to do that yet i think they're still taking a wait and see approach i think they think that their channel strategy is going to work now maybe they might subsidize those channels a little bit which does seem to be the kind of the case seems to be what they're doing uh getting the ubisoft channel is what, what is what i mean there uh but it, it also it also might just mean that these com- like if if a company sees that a uh, Ubisoft's willing to do that, one of these other companies is more willing to do that. Uh, that then these companies realize it's possible, and maybe they do go make it happen themselves. But for the most part, it just, like I mean, when I say like Game Pass is like this black hole, it's it's it is really to the exclusion of everything else. That's Microsoft's goal. That's why they're investing so much. That's why they're spending so much money because they know if they spend it now, they don't have to spend like X amount plus later trying to acquire whichever company actually does make this happen. So it's worth it to them to, to like sort of play blocker, play defense, to be kind of be this big thing that stands in the way and say, Hey, uh, come over here with us and, and, and join us and we'll pay right now. Um, and so that we don't have to like figure this out later. That's, it's very important to them to do that. Uh, realistically speaking, do you see Ubisoft plus coming to game pass in 2022? No, probably not. Yeah. No, it's, it'll it'll take some time. It'll take some time, a matter of years, I think. Uh, uh, and, and again, so much could change between now and then. But I, I just think this is uh, when I'm talking about this. I think we are just on that path right now. It feels like that's like I say, a trajectory. It feels like that's what's happening right now. Something could knock it off this trajectory. But um, I, I do think it's a matter of, of a year or two, at least. It's just it's odd to me when I think about how EA Play is in there. Uh, and then I consider Ubisoft Plus as being a service. The other, other big major player I can think of would be Activision because Bethesda has been scooped up. Uh, you know, how many of these subscription services 
for big third parties or first parties can survive simultaneously. I have to think a PlayStation one, a PC based one, and an Xbox one would make sense, but how many of these can survive? Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, I know that people say that like there's a subscription fatigue and there and there absolutely is, but also it's um we we're it's only growing on the video side. Like we're only getting more. Now that doesn't mean that we're not gonna contract here pretty soon. We're not gonna um consolidate. We might, but we were pretty consolidated. A lot of these companies were on Netflix like a couple mm. years ago. Now they're not on Netflix, they have their own. Uh so okay so 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 that does that mean that that's the inevitable way that this has to go not necessarily a lot of these companies are just like we have to at least try before we just uh give into the idea that there's going to be netflix disney plus and and a couple others prime video or whatever um so but uh, i think on on the video game side i i think that most of these companies will continue to like go this like we're obviously i think did bethesda have their subscription service i know they had their um they had a, a their their own PC thing. I don't think they ever went with a full subscription service, but they were probably considering it before Xbox came along. Uh, Given the way but, they handled some of the private server elements of Fallout seventy six and such, I have to think they did some math breakdowns for what they yeah, could be. That's right. Yes, because then they have like in game subscriptions and stuff like that. So they yeah right. They've definitely looked at the numbers. Um, but but I think that we could have a lot of these things in gaming. I really do think we could have a lot of them, but I do think ultimately that uh, what's gonna happen is Xbox will just make it too uh, attractive to come into its service because in the long run, that'll enable it to keep costs down like 10 years from now. And they're, they're like looking that far ahead and like, let's just get everyone in here now, we'll pay the money now. And that way we don't have to like worry about some other competitor coming in and stealing our lunch here. So uh, Microsoft's gonna be very aggressive in, in trying to prevent this thing from happening. So, uh, it, you know, but from the consumer side, like how many can like anyone uh, subscribe to? I, I, I don't know. I think that there's actually more, uh, people have the capacity for more than most people give us credit for. I think, mm -hmm. uh, and really it's like we come down, we forget, right? We, we subscribe to a couple and we forget about it. And all of a sudden sure. we look around like, have a, you know, but that's, that happens all the time and it's not breaking, it's not causing any economic collapse. So, um, I, I, and video games are expensive. So like, that's the other side of it. Like a video game is 60, $70. So. Uh, a lot of people are going to look at subscriptions as a real good deal, and and it's going to fit into the model for a wider audience of people who are like one seventy dollar purchase for a single thing. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but consistently paying ten to fifteen dollars per month all year for a whole bunch of stuff does fit into this to the way that I want to consume games because I'm not some hardcore person, and uh, it, it's it's going to be a couple of years where we're going to have a lot of options and probably more options than we have now. I'm inclined to agree. And when I think about it, I'm, I'm hearing you say the $70 thing for different games and why subscription services can be so valuable. Uh, we, I often forget that $70 to some people is 120 you know, when you're in Canada or in Australia yep. Yep. or in, in so many others. And that makes the subscription services appeal in such a strong way. Uh, I, I, tangentially related is how a lot of games that were initially you buy the game, you get the game are now going almost a live service route on my mind is halo infinite and, and a lot of yeah. the discussions about their battle pass system and uh how they're monetizing uh, different games uh you ever hear any conversations along the way of, of how companies are navigating that whether it's halo specific or otherwise just whether or not what they're doing is right or wrong and how to pivot and appeal to investors as well as consumers um, yeah, I mean, the things I hear are that when, when developers look at the telemetry, when they look at the sales data, that gamers actually want this. I mean, if you look at the best selling games of any year, a lot of times it's going to be massive multiplayer games that get a lot of support. Uh, the, the, the audience that plays games with their friends is 
gigantic and they, that's how they consume games almost entirely and they're gonna just want that and and they, and they and that uh network effect of these friends influencing other friends is much more powerful than trying to convince one you know isolated solo gamer who plays solo narrative stuff to uh you know buy the next game like that's a much tougher thing to do and it also doesn't have that that network effect that sort of grows on its own so when companies look at this this data they're like this is the right move because it's it is it makes more money but it's also it sells more because people want it more and mm -hmm. like that's the reality that's that's what we look at when we see when you look at the numbers that's the the story that's the, the numbers tell us mm -hmm. so it's still that doesn't mean it's not difficult to navigate it is difficult to navigate because there's still like perception there's still like you know this game used to be this way now it's this way and you know it was better when it was that way and and, and they have to deal with that that conversation um but also in the end, they know that sort of the 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 the, the flow is on their side. The momentum's on their side because in the end, this is what more people want, and it might alienate a few people here and there. And you want to avoid that if you can. And these companies always try to avoid that, but they also realize that we are serving a larger audience, and and it's going to make us more money in the in the long run. Why wouldn't we do this? Um, yeah, and that's that's the way it's going to kind of continue going. In uh, the last episode of XCP, I asked longtime developer Osama Dorius uh, about NFTs, and I fear that's a question I'm going to be asking a lot of guests yeah. over the next few months. Uh, where are you at on NFTs? Yeah, it's a nightmare. Uh, it, I, I'll say that every <laughs> all the game developers I've talked to about it, they they seem to know that it's kind of a nightmare too, and they um like they're like the people suggesting this for games have no idea how to make games. Like when we make like making games for humans. Uh, the idea of NFTs makes very little sense. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, there's not momentum on the publisher side. There, there are definitely people who want to make this a, a, a big thing. Um, but, but for me, it's, I mean, it's it strikes me as as nearly immoral um, because, it, and not even just on the uh, energy usage usage side. I uh, I grew up in a world that did not really have the internet, and then suddenly I'm growing up in a world that does have the internet, and so we went from this thing of of digital uh like even digital things were scarce and then suddenly digital things were in in total abundance and everyone in the world could have a copy of something and it was um this it was this this huge moment where it's like okay wait our our species is like figuring out what the future of mm -hmm. scarcity could look like and it could be a scarcity free society at least on the digital side of things and this could be a good test bed for as we like figure out like oh maybe if we uh, find a way to make enough food in the world so that no one ever has to go hungry how do we distribute that or whatever how do we deal with a scarcity free economic system um and the internet was like we were, we were going through the growing pains of that and it was it was painful but we were figuring it out and now here comes a bunch of uh assholes who are like we can make some money if we bring back scarcity to these digital things now we've mm -hmm. already had that in forms like you can make a digital item that is artificially scarce but you sort of have to like admit that you to, to everybody, it's like, oh, I could make more copies of this. I'm just choosing not to because it, there's a benefit there to me financially. And it, it, like everyone could like see through it and fully understand it, embrace it for what it is. Now with NFTs, it is this idea of, I have no control. Like I meant this thing and then I stand back and, and it's like, there's this is unique and now I have no control over it and it, it is actually scarce. Um, and, you know, we could argue about like, oh, I could still like copy and paste these images. Now in video games, you wouldn't be able to do that. These items probably would be tied to this one NFT thing. Um, but but like still like then the, the company make this has no no control over it anymore. And they're just standing back and not kind of like washing their hands with it of it, except for they continue to make money every time it's sold. So it, it just feels like this uh, pyramid scheme. It feels like a scam. Um, and it, yeah, it, it's like just like 
yeah, it feels like a, a, a like a nuclear way of extracting money out of people. Now, I, I think most gamers will reject this. This is going to be for speculators. Um, but the, the the scary thing is like, okay, well, what if people who make games look around and say, well, the way to make actual money is to make games for speculators and not for people who enjoy games. Like we had that letter from the president of Square Enix who was like almost saying that like explicitly. Like I know people who play games for fun is like a phrase that he used. Um, yeah. as, and then it's like, okay, well, what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is people who are going to make or play games to make money. And mm-hmm. um, that's that's a real slippery slope that I'm afraid of. Um, and I hope that we can sort of dodge this thing. And I, I think we can if we continue to be really loud about it and, and criticize it uh, and point out that NFT has almost no utility that you can't do without NFTs. And, and yet, and so so why do they exist? Well, because it's going to make a select few people a lot of money. And that's, that's what we're trying to point out here and say, hey, it's not really worth all this uh, to help enrich the same people again. So yeah, that, that's where I'm at with it. Yep, I'm I'm right with you there uh, for a lot of reasons. I was glad to see the stalker uh, team walked back their their discussions yes. on on that. Absolutely, one. That was it was the right thing to do. Yep, yep. And Ubisoft uh, still going through with Ubisoft Quartz and whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean that, that's going to just probably fizzle out. Hopefully, and the next time we hear about it, it'll be like, uh, oh yeah, like no one actually cares about that anymore. Um, yeah. Hopefully, that's the case. Yep. Yep. Uh, announced this past week, Jeff, uh, E3, due to Omicron variant, as they say, uh, is not going to be held in person this year. I do not even know if they officially said it will be digital, but certainly yeah. in person is canceled. Uh, and this led you, good sir, to bring back the summer game mess. How excited <laughs> yeah. are you for this? Uh, it's it's a scary proposition, once again, to try to keep track of all this stuff. Uh, and it, it's like it was messy as hell last year where there was just events in every which direction but it was also very fun it's fun to like try to keep track of this stuff try to keep people who wanted a centralized event to uh to uh find all their gaming news to say hey that's not really happening anymore but if you come over here to this jeff grubb summer game mess i'll do my best to keep you informed of when the big things are going to happen and then all the little things and you could pick and choose what you want to be here for and there's it's going to be this nice easy calendar and um i'm ready to bring it back i'm ready to kind of help people keep track of stuff um, and I do think this is going to be our future, at least for a couple of years, where um, E3 is, you know, the ESA, the com- the organization, the trade group that sort of puts on the e- E3 is at its weakest point, is probably going to fully dissolve here in the next year or so um, if they don't get their stuff together. Um, and so, yeah, this it's going to be like a, a couple of years of like, hey, everyone figuring out like, listen, we know E3 is valuable as a brand, but also it was very expensive. What's the balance of us participating in that or working around it and doing our own thing? And um, and while they're doing that, there's going to be a lot of people who are like, hey, I miss E3. What, where can I go? I'm like, OK, I'm going to do my best to serve you up a nice calendar of what's happening here. So I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's good news for sure. And, and it has a lot of, I would say, question points, not just the game mess, but the industry does. I mean, CES took place last week and uh, we saw PSVR 2 come out of that one. A lot of conversation I want to have with you on that one in just a moment. Uh, but that was criticized for being what a lot of people are calling a super spreader event. Uh, and as Delta and Omicron kind of do their thing uh, and, and spread to more people, it, it questions whether or not you're going to have a dice summit in person or mm-hmm. uh, some of these, you know, GDC on your game mess you have listed for the 21st to 25th uh, of March, you know, will, what, what will that entail? Uh, what's on this game mess list that, that you're looking forward to and that you have questions about? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, everything's still up in the air, right? So, like, you know, we, we, we see something like like GDC, and uh, they, they've committed to, to in-person, and, and uh, people are starting to make plans around that. And I think that there's a world in which they could maybe pull that off that it might have to be um, they'll, they'll be super, super vigilant. The, you know, you, you have to get your booster. You have like everyone has to have an N95 mask. Um, mm-hmm. anytime we're indoors and stuff like that, it's it's San Francisco in March, so it will be pretty pleasant. Like maybe do more things outside. Um, there, there's there and 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 this is all under the assumption that the, as the news is telling us that Omicron is going to sort of burn through by the end of January. Well, if that's the case, then then yeah, I, I think maybe stick to some of these these dates, but. Um, there always could be a new variant. Uh, hopefully, though, as things warm up and we get into the summer, uh, a lot of the stuff makes more sense. Now, I, I, I do buy the story that, um, like, the ESA was always planning to cancel this, whether whether Omicron came about or not, uh, because mm-hmm. the ESA was just struggling to get interest from publishers. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, having Omicron there is a, a good enough excuse on its own. And so, uh, really, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to like where we're at in a week and is that different is it better or worse than it is now and um i don't envy anyone who has to put on one of these events i I will i will say like i watch um i watch a lot of sports and a lot of sporting events still have full crowds and then i sort of like when i see that i'm like often like checking back a few days later to see like hey did like cases jump up the day later or you know a week later after that event and stuff like that and and that hasn't necessarily been the problem so far but that was kind of a lot of that stuff was happening before omicron so again it's like, where are we going to be at by the end of this month? You know, three weeks from now, are we really going to have Omicron sort of in in the rear window? And if that's the case, then uh, what should you do then? And I think in a lot of situations, it's like, okay, we're going to have to figure out what these events look like in, in this in this new normal. And it's going to be situations where, um, hey, at the last minute, a lot of people might pull out and you're still going to have to maybe have to put on an event that makes sense for you, that that is viable and stuff like that, that you're not going to be able to get an insurance payment for because there's no state of emergency because this is just the state of normality now. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, for me, uh, for me, I'm looking forward to all of it. I, I think I'm, I think this this is going to be a painful year for a lot of these events still. I think a lot of them will have to cancel at the last minute. I think a lot of them will go through with it and then hopefully we find some right way of doing these things that is uh, safe and, and, and also uh, able to serve the purpose that these events were supposed to serve in the, in the first place. The thing with E3 is what purpose does it really serve? Really? It's, um, Mm -hmm. it's about announcing a lot of games. Yeah. It's about making sure that, uh, that uh, retailers know that these games are coming up. Well, I guess to tell you what retailers know, about these games now it's not the 90s anymore they know which games matter they know which games they're going to buy they have algorithms that do this work for them now it's not a lot of the stuff is just not like what they really need anymore now there are also a lot of backroom deals that happen at e3 but those things are finding new avenues as well these these companies are uh are trying to like reach out to these developers in other ways developers are finding new ways of networking but that that's stuff that will also have to like pan out slowly over time so these companies, these events need to serve their purpose, and and if they're not serving a purpose, then maybe they shouldn't happen. And I think that's exactly what happened with E3. I think GDC still will probably happen, and hopefully it's safe. And if it is, I'll be excited. My presumption is that uh, E3 will go digital, uh, or at the very least, we'll see digital showcases from the big three uh, at some point, kind of in that window. But PlayStation's been absent from that window in in recent years are you expecting them to have a digital event in the summertime around summer game fest partner with summer game fest or stay separate 
Um, I expect them to continue doing what they've been doing. There will be a PlayStation uh, presentation, whatever they call them, uh, late summer, early fall in, in that in that in that range instead of like closer to the June timeframe of E3. Um, I think they're, they've been happy to continue to do that. That's been working for them. That's also been like, um, you know, their release schedules really favored that as well because they've had a lot of stuff early in the year. And then as they get to the holiday, they're like ready to say, hey, we've got stuff coming up next year. Buy your PlayStation 5 for this holiday. And here's some games that, we're, that we want to sell you this holiday. And, um, and again, that, that time frame still works out for early fall uh, for when they want to like do that messaging and stuff. So uh, I expect them to kind of continue to, to avoid whatever E3 is this year. And I, um, and I think E3 like is probably going to be the kind of thing where, where these companies that are, have always been a part of E3 will probably still do something in that time frame. And then it's just a matter of does the ESA say, Hey, like we're not, maybe we are completely falling apart and we're not putting on it even a virtual E3. Uh, so you can't use the E3 branding. And I think Nintendo and Microsoft would be like, Hey, listen, if you're falling apart, just let us have E3, like, let mm-hmm. us have the E3 name. Let us put it on, on our stuff. And, uh, we'll, we'll kind of carry that torch. And then if you ever get your shit together, then maybe you come back and, and put something on in, in the future. But for now, let us use the branding without having to like pay you a ton of money for something for, for you doing nothing um, or whatever, or, or here's like a licensing, a small licensing fee for the E3 brand. Um, mm-hmm. and now let us go do our own thing how we want. I, I think there's some potential there because the E3 brand is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, millions of people tune in, take, they take time off work. They watch as much content as they possibly can. A lot of people call it gamer Christmas. It's, it's just so valuable that it's gonna, it's like, it almost can't go away because someone's gonna wanna like pick up that, that work and do it themselves. Um, so I, I think there's uh, some potential for that, but as far as like Sony goes, Sony's gonna continue doing their own thing and being totally happy doing so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so switch, to, switch gears to Xbox in this E3 realm for me, because I wanna know if I'm out of pocket on, on this one. When I think about potential new announcements for Xbox uh, at like the E3 window, I'm at a loss because I feel like we know so much of their catalog going forward. Next year is, or rather this year, is to include Redfall and Starfield. Uh, Some people are kind of throwing Stalker 2 into that, but I don't think of that as first party uh, so much. But we know about Avowed and Everwild. We know about uh, a lot of the heavy hitters that are down Mm -hmm. the line for Xbox. What more could they announce? It's not like Perfect Dark's a secret anymore. Do they have yeah, stuff mean, in the pipeline that is a surprise? I mean, they they do. They 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 definitely do. But I, I also think they are at a point in their release schedule where they need to actually just talk about those games that they've announced. I think a good E three looks like, hey, here is Avowed. Here is um, here's a, a huge breakdown of Starfield. Here is Perfect Dark, and here is Fable. I, I think if they give us gameplay on a lot of that stuff that's coming in 2023, or, or at least a nice significant ch- like look at, at what the game is um, at, at that point. I think it's a pretty good E3 and it maybe you have one surprise announcement at that point, maybe. Um, but even then, like they have so much stuff announced that they haven't released yet that uh, they really kind of have to burn through that stuff first before they can even start making new promises. So uh, I think that this E3 looks a lot like, all right, we've, we've talked a lot about what's coming. We've, uh, we've given you a lot of names. We've given you a lot of CG trailers. Let's get down to brass tacks. Here's Starfield. Here's where you're going to be playing this holiday. Here's Forza Motorsport 8. You're going to be playing that this holiday as well. All right, what are you looking for? What comes after that? Okay, well, we have a lot of stuff we talked about. Here's an update on all these games. Um, if, E3, if E3 doesn't look like that, I don't know what it looks like, uh, frankly. Mm-hmm. Do they have anything else for 2022? Or am I missing something? Do you know yeah, something? I mean, yeah, Redfall they, so, and Starfield. 
they have Redfall, Starfield, Forza Motorsport 8 should come out this year. Um, and then that, those are kind of the big three. There's a lot of games that are kind of below that tier or like partner games. There's Stalker 2 early in the year. There's um, uh, and there's a handful. Uh, they, they might uh, Grounded 1.0, I thought was like originally kind of scheduled for this year. Looks like that might not make it out this year. Maybe it'll be next year instead. Uh, but mm-hmm. there'll be updates for that and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's kind of, that is their year. So it means uh, a lot of, um, this is like what I was making. I mean, I wrote a story about this with when GoldenEye 007 Remastered was kind of like being rumored. Uh, mm-hmm. And I do I do think that'll come out before E3. I think it'll be part of the thing that kind of uh, sets them up and say, hey, we have a kind of this fun thing for everyone to like get excited about mm-hmm. while they try to get to E3. Because if they can get to E3, they can begin promoting Starfield in a major way. And that'll be enough, for, I think, for most people to be like, oh, this is very exciting. And, uh, you know, they'll have a lot of third-party partners, and they'll have day one Game Pass games getting added. You know, Anacrusis is the latest. There'll be more coming up soon. Uh, but then it's going to be all about this Starfield promotion, and then people will be excited about that game. And then suddenly we're in 2023, and they should have a ton of games, a ton of giant first-party games launching in 2023. Uh, I don't know which one will be first, but, like... Other than like Everwild is probably almost certainly out of out of the question. Um, Fable avowed like a couple of these games might slip to 2024, but you know of those like you know Fable avowed, uh, uh, Perfect Dark. There's a handful of others. Uh, they should have a pretty strong 2023. So really, it's about it's going to be a pretty light 2022. Um, but if Redfall is great and Starfield's great and Forza Motorsport 8 comes out and it's like this huge leap forward, I think for the most part they're going to get by this year no problem. Interesting. Interesting. I'm thinking about the comparatively with PlayStation because that's kind of. Oh, yeah. Uh, PlayStation is going to have a great year. Yeah. PlayStation yeah. is going to have a, a fantastic year. And there's just there's no way, no two ways around that. Like they're just going to have a better year than the Xbox. I don't think. I mean, unless like, there's they, some catastrophic issue with, with with God of War and stuff like that or with Horizon and things like that. I think Horizon, I think PlayStation is going to have a really strong year. Horizon, uh, God of War and Gran Turismo are their big three. Is that correct? Am I? Yes. On that one? Yes. Okay. And I think, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, those are. Uh, all all bangers uh I, you know i think forza motorsport 8 is going to hold up real well co- to gran turismo 7 and stuff like that mm-hmm. but you know th- at a certain point that just comes down to what's this in the young which one which one you did you grow up with and stuff like that right um and, and but and i think playstation probably will have a few more surprises than what um than what microsoft has because I, I don't think microsoft has many surprises for this year maybe they'll maybe they'll shock me but i don't think they do yeah, I'm thinking at best you might get expansions to current games like Forza or Halo. Right. Um, you you'll get like um like there's a couple project name games that like they haven't talked about yet. A few of those might come out. Like jo- I think Josh Sawyer's um like Roman murder mystery game might come out, and uh, mm-hmm. Project Belfry, which is from Stoic Studios, it's like a 2D action uh action beat 'em up sort of game. And um at least as far as I understand, that might come out this year. Uh. These they're you know they're just not going to be God of War right so mm-hmm. uh, that that's the difference. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, because you're Jeff Grubb, a lot of people wrote in questions asking yeah, about uh, a lot of these potential uh, news points here. Hazem Kali wants to know: uh, Will there be any news of an acquisition of any publisher or studio this year? Uh, I'm presuming he means by Xbox, but feel free to feel free to throw PlayStation in there as well. Yeah, that's just going to keep happening. I don't know if it'll be a massive one. Um, I think Microsoft does still have like a massive acquisition like in their system. Uh, but, you know, it, it, as we've seen, like through this last year, pretty much uh, who who is out there to acquire? Like there's some smaller studios. Uh, I, I think I think the like the, the most likely thing to happen is these partner studios that Xbox Global Publishing is working with. If they prove themselves, if they are invaluable, 
if the if the ownership is amenable, like if the ownership of these studios is amenable to it, I think that those acquisitions might start to happen. Um, you know, Microsoft's working with IO Interactive. They're working with um, uh, who's the studio on Contraband, uh, Avalanche. There's mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a handful of studios that they're working with, and it's like maybe they like we've heard those rumors for a long time, right? That they were going to do like acquire a lot of these teams. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, and I think that like I, the, the thinking there is probably correct. There almost always always certainly is some sort of discussion about that stuff happening um mm-hmm. but i think microsoft w- just wants to build a slightly closer relationship and that's what sony's been doing right sony's been acquiring a lot of the studios that it's close with and mm-hmm. i think microsoft's going to be in that situation here pretty soon where it's like hey we're close with these studios they're hitting their milestones they're they proved to us to them to us to us that they understand how to make games in a way that we're really happy with so uh let, let's go for it um the, yeah. The, you know, the biggest acquisitions might still come out of WB. WB is still That's what I was like, ask, a, yeah, it's, they're, they're hemorrhaging store. money, aren't they? I'm sorry, I cut you yeah, off. I, no, no, please, it's it's fine. It, it, they 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 owe, they owe a lot of money, is the thing. They owe, they have a ton of debt, and um, yeah, and one of the ways they want to like service that debt is by selling some game studios. It's been something that was definitely they were considering that. Um, and I, I still think that, it, that that whole restructuring is a mess. Like there's some studios are going to go with discovery, the new discovery, whatever that really is. And mm-hmm. some are going to stay with whatever WB continues to be. And uh, a lot of these companies, like these the stu- studios don't necessarily know where they're going to end up still. And so there's a lot of questions in the air. And I think that um, one thing like with that sort of uncertainty, a lot of these students are going to want to move and they're probably going to push for it and say, Hey, let's just either go be on our own or, or let us go be acquired by a, microsoft or something like that so I, I i still think something will come out of wb it's just not going to be all the wb studios that never made sense there's no way that stuff makes sense without the ips and the only ips that would really transfer are would be mortal Kombat with with uh, nether realm so that still mm-hmm. seems very likely for someone i just don't i mean maybe maybe microsoft maybe sony i mean sony really likes fighting games right now but uh yeah uh, that's that's up in the air. thing about my, my mortal Kombat and nether realm it makes a ton of money so it'd be very expensive and that maybe favors Microsoft. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- those are the ones that I'm, I'm still like kind of looking at, but uh, it, there's going to be some surprises too. Like everyone is acquiring as much as they can. It's really valuable to have content right now. So uh, that's just going to continue through this year for sure. Yeah. I mean, even 10 cents in on the game. Well, they're everywhere. They've been there, but yes. I feel like they're a, that lurking giant. And, and they're, yeah, they're, they are not stopping. They're not slowing down. No way. Not even, not even a little bit. It's, it's wild. And when I think about WB, uh, you know, I think about Montreal, Rocksteady, and NetherRealm, and here's hoping that if the IPs can't go anywhere, they at least the the talent of those studios is able to land on their feet because they all three make great right. games. You know, yeah, and I think that's uh, that's possible, right? Like at a certain point, if Microsoft wants that talent, they could just start new studios, let those let those people come over. So, um, they, they they might do that. That might be the thing that makes the most sense. Yep. Yep. All right. Rolling down these questions because, man, you are a popular dude. Uh, (laughs) This one's uh, interesting. Cameron Gray asks, how likely is it on a scale of one to ten that Xbox drops Xbox Live Gold this year? That's not not really a thing this year, right? They just they Uh, just did that price thing. That price thing is not necessarily indicative of like how they feel about keeping Xbox Live Gold. Xbox, getting rid of Xbox Live Gold is still on the the the, the roadmap for them. It's still mm-hmm. something they even when they did that price increase thing, that was still on the roadmap of eventually getting rid of Xbox Live Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I still think it's probably pretty unlikely this year. That it really depends on Xbox Game Pass. I think that it's if it's going to happen, it's going to be well after Starfield because Starfield's going to be the point where. 
it, it, it's sort of like a make or break moment in terms of, is this gonna be a service that quickly jumps up to 50 million subscribers? Or is it going to be a slow chug up to like 40 and then 50 a couple years later? Like, it's gonna be a long slog. Mm -hmm. And if it's a long slog, they're gonna continue to want that Xbox Live Gold money. If suddenly at the halfway, by, by E3 2024, if they have like 45 million subscribers, they might announce, hey, we're getting rid of Xbox Live Gold. It's gonna just really depend on that subscriber, that active subscriber number for, for Game Pass, um, and especially Game Pass Ultimate, obviously. And also kind of figuring out what that replacement is or how, how do you like make the value feel right for xbox um game pass ultimate because that's part of like saying hey you're gonna get pay 15 dollars a month and you get that as well well mm -hmm. if that thing goes away it's like suddenly that 15 dollars a month feels a little bit odd so they're gonna have to like figure out the value proposition replacement there um mm -hmm. but but really it just comes down to enough subscribers and they're, they're not they're nowhere close to that to that number yet i don't think 30 million wouldn't be enough it's going to be somewhere between 40 and 50 million before they really say hey it's time to pull the plug on that. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, Rick Perez asked a question that actually sparked my interest. Uh, he's talking about the coalition over at Xbox. He wants to know if that rumored Mandalorian game is actually going to be happening, if it's going to be coming exclusively, I, I suppose. Uh, I didn't even think Mandalorian so much as just Star Wars possibly using the Mandalorians. But you, you hear anything about out of the coalition? We know they're working on something different than Gears, right? Yeah, I mean they're they're not working on the coalition or they're not working on the Mandalorian uh, the coalition. Um, that's that's not what they're making. Uh, okay, they, coalition. Well, is what are making, they making, Jeff? <laughs> I, well, I, I know that they're making a small sort of side project that is uh, uh, probably not gears related. Maybe in the end they'll some find a way some some way to tie it into gears. But they're making a small project to experiment with Unreal Four or Unreal Five, excuse me. And it's not that Matrix game. The Matrix game was. Uh, uh, just sort of a, a, a sort of another side project to the side project, but they're doing a full thing that will be like a, a real game that they will sell and it won't be gear six. So, uh, and it's not the Mandalorian. That's been, so that was never, I never said that. I always said, I heard those rumors and I was never able to confirm that. And since then, that's like, I've confirmed that it's not the case. So maybe, maybe star Wars and the Mandalorian or something's happening at Microsoft somewhere. Uh, but I haven't heard that if that's the case. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, thinking about the recent Sony announcements with uh, PSVR 2, which looks great, I thought. I thought there was a lot of good stuff coming out of that, pos positive stuff for the VR space. Uh, consistently, people ask if Xbox is going to get into it. I don't see that as a market that they are needing to spread themselves thin in a time of chip shortages. Uh, where are you at on that one? Anything? Yeah, they're not, they have no plans to get into VR. They've, um, even when they do like anything VR adjacent, like add in a VR to flight simulator or something like that, or, um, or, you know, they have a VR team that's very separate from the Xbox team. Uh, they, they want to make sure that like they keep these things at arm's length because they don't want to give off the appearance that they suddenly they're going to be investing in VR because they're going to make a VR headset or even add support for third party VR headsets. That is, just, it's just not something that they are going to do right now. And I, I think, um, Phil Spencer's kind of said it right. Like, uh, gamers aren't asking for this. That's not like when, when people, when gamers like start saying the things that they want, VR is probably not in the top five in terms of like the things they want to spend money on. Uh, mm -hmm. It would be a nice to have. It is not like much. The bigger things are a lot of cool games coming to Game Pass and, and bigger and different types of games and more expensive games um, and, and free Xbox Live Gold and stuff like that. It is, it's not VR and they're not going to waste their money on that when they have this very, specific identity that they want to be chasing in in game pass that's their focus and they're not going to get distracted with something like vr gotcha 
Cool. And I'm inclined to agree with a lot of that logic. Uh, yeah. I love that Sony's doing it because it advances the technology. Yeah. It gets VR and more homes. Uh, but I just don't see the the chasers being Microsoft, Xbox in this in this space trying to get in on one more piece of hardware that you need to spend money on when they're trying to push services and and get Xbox units out the door, that kind of thing. Yep, so. agree. Oh, goodness. Uh, one of my longtime nemeses, uh, Joseph Moran, host of the Trophy Room. He says, <laughs> first time, long time. Uh, not an Xbox question. He wants to know what you've heard about Bloodborne. Also, he's curious if I have a musk. Jeff, please ignore the second side of that question. But uh, we'd be hard pressed if I ignored his question about Bloodborne. This poor kid. He loves this game. You know, he's getting Elden Ring this year, but Bloodborne is the one he wants. Is Sony putting that out this year? I thought they would have done it by now. Um, I think that we have to get past Elden Ring. This has been my position on this for a long time that uh, we need to get past Elden Ring. And then once that happens from software, we'll sort of look around and say, okay, we know people have been asking about Bloodborne. We know Sony's been asking us about Bloodborne uh, and help with that. Um, and I think that at that point, when, when from software has the capacity to work on something like that, they will say, Hey, okay, bring in your, you know, your PC port studio, bring in your, your support team or whatever, and we'll help them out. Cause I just think that, uh, Bloodborne is the it's in a, it's in a state where it'd be very difficult for someone to just come in without from software, like helping them open up doors and stuff like that. So um, I think that once Elden Ring is here, that is probably going to be on the table and probably something that happens within like a year uh, after Elden Ring. So so maybe by the end of 2022, maybe. Yeah, well, I, I hope for for Joe's sake, he gets it. I know it's a big game, but I mean, I have eyes on Elden Ring as well, and I'm not a Souls guy uh at all it's just something about that world that seems special and uh for god's sakes man february it's it's packed is anything moving out of february because it feels like everything is there you know mm -hmm. uh things things will move things will uh things will uh, they, they things have moved things are going to move now um at this point i guess uh, they, things if they were going to move they probably would have done so by now i think a lot of the stuff is maybe slightly overblown because um people do play a lot of games and there's a lot of different people who play a lot of different types of games. And the person that's going to show up for dying light, maybe isn't necessarily going to be the person who was going to show up for Sifu. And, uh, I, you know, this doesn't mean like obviously people's budgets are limited. Uh, but I think for the most part, most people aren't buying all games all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I think that for the most part, I bet. And, and also there's this other side of things where, you go and you get excited for a game like Elden Ring. And as you're waiting for Elden Ring, you go, maybe you go you know, pre-order that on a digital store. You go to the store to pre-order it or whatever. And then you're at the store and you're looking around like, hey, I really wish I had a game to like keep me busy until then. I'm like really excited about games right now because of Elden Ring's coming up. And it's like, oh, well, Sifu's here. Maybe I'll play Sifu instead. And so uh, like, or, or in addition to, so there, there's some like, again, like that network effect a little bit. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's so good I don't point. necessarily know at this point, it doesn't feel like anything is going to move. And it, it makes some sense that, that I think these games are just going to stick with the dates they've decided on it. And, and unless there's some development issue, you probably should just stick with your date. I was ready to put hard money down that uh, Horizon was going to move uh, somewhere because PlayStations aren't, they're having trouble, you know, filling stock. It's not like they need that game yeah. right now. And there was there were you know heavy hitters already hitting into that month, but it seems like with the PSVR news, they've kind of locked that in. Uh, and, and Horizon is not moving. Dying Light just announced that they're 500 hours long. That probably backfired a little bit on them, which is a bummer because I think they were trying to spotlight themselves in a good way. We've got so much content for you, but people are getting turned off by this 500 hours uh, thing for Dying Light too. Uh, and then you know Eldering that would be the one that would move if Horizon's not in my mind, and we haven't heard about it yet, so. 
Yeah. You know, yeah it's, it's 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 you know, it's it's nebulous and i get these companies being sort of gun shy about you know um about moving but also get like, like a certain point like mark the marketing machine gets going and you gotta just kind of stick with it sure yeah makes sense makes sense uh patrick writes in and he wants to know he says i watched games beat decides yesterday good show i like it i'm a fan uh there was a rumor so wild uh, and it belonged to someone else, Jeff, that you would <laughs> yes. not say it out loud. Correct. Uh, I'm thinking he wants to know if this is Xbox related or if there is a genre you can nail it down. So feed the machine, Jeff. What it's, this this it, thing that you wouldn't say? Say something you know, this, about it. This, this, this I could I, I could do this and like help save some people's sanity. It is not Xbox related. There you go. Well, there you go. Look at that scoop. Indeed, scoop. Indeed. Uh, a good friend of the show, Captain Logan, wants to know if you're more of a, a physical or digital guy. I'm more of a digital guy. A uh, big part of that is just uh, reviewing games for quite some time now. You get a lot of digital codes starting like the last generation. And uh, like on the 3DS, like uh, Nintendo sent most games. I think they sent like maybe one game physical, but then the rest of the games they sent uh, digital. So I just have a, a 3DS packed with digital games. And I found that to be very convenient. And I have young kids now. And when they do find my old physical games, they find creative ways to destroy it all the time. So I'm uh, I'm happy to not have physical objects in my home. Uh, I it's it's convenient, but also uh, like when I have some physical objects, I I do get that collector mentality where I'm like, well, I, I would like to have more. Maybe I'd like, maybe I like to have all of them. And mm-hmm. uh, and while I get that mentality, while I get that sort of itch, uh, it doesn't also it doesn't make me happy to then go out and get that stuff. It just feeds the itch and makes the itch worse. So uh, I am glad to sort of just bypass that entirely and just say. I am not going to have those sorts of physical uh, collections. Um, if I want something that is a, a physical representation of my fandom for gaming, there are other ways of doing that. I, I got a, a cool like display of a Game Boy Color that's like blown apart and shows all the innards and stuff and, uh, from, a, from a company and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, that's the kind of thing that I want. Um, I don't want a shelf full of games. Uh, I'm happy to have a digital shelf full of games. That works for me really well. Right with you. Uh, I'm a digital all the way. Uh, and if I want to, recognize fandom it might be i'll have an empty steel book or a statue or a you know collectible of some kind i want that to show off the game versus just the box with the disc on it that tends to be outdated the moment we get it uh for sure logan kind of continued with his digital question given that stadia and geforce now are coming to to samsung tvs uh how long till we see like playstation now and game pass embedded into smart tvs worldwide yeah, it feels like it's got to be imminent, right? It's got to be yeah. just a matter, yeah. like a matter of like weeks. It feels like, but maybe, maybe it's um, to me. I think the um, maybe this is not like oh, Microsoft's like struggling to get these deals done with these companies. Maybe they're like, even if we get Game Pass on TVs uh, and get uh, game streaming on TVs, uh, the big the big problem there actually the the giant hurdle is not being on TVs. It is making sure people have video game, not even late, it's video game controllers. It is the actual last mile is not between the person's home and and like the node where the game is running. Mm -hmm. Like they're figuring that out. It is between the TV and the person. Does the person have a video game controller to then control the game? That is, uh, you know, on phones, they were like, I guess we'll give them touchscreen controls that can work. Uh, But with a TV, there's no option like that. So do you just put it out there and say, okay, now go wild. Or maybe do what, what you should do is start talking to Samsung about bundling in Xbox controllers with TVs. Maybe that's what, maybe that's the real path here is saying, Hey, Samsung, you sell a lot of TVs. Uh, can we subsidize a, 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 an Xbox controller in, in there? Add that thing where you can like, maybe you know bump up the price a little bit. Cause it's a video game playing TV now and it comes with a controller. Um, 
And if they do that, that's the real hurdle because that's the real last mile is the input between the person and the TV. And so uh, I, I wonder if they're trying to solve that. I wonder if they're like looking at creative ways to get around that. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, the last question I have for you that is from a listener before I get to my last question, it had directly to do with Arby's. Uh, and I lost it. I clicked away from it so much. Is there news on your Arby's front? I, I'm. Oh, here it is. It's from Dano. Or no, Dash Revolver. He says, if you have uh, one chance to impress a newcomer to Arby's, what are you ordering? Um, I, so you, you, you want to do, you want to show them the variety. I think you want to show them that it's not just roast beef. Uh, when they say they got the meats, they, that's true, but it's also, they have like mozzarella sticks and, and yeah, they have the meats, but they have like a Buffalo chicken sandwich, not just like a spicy chicken sandwich, but they have that too. And then, um, and then you can get like roast beef, but then you can also get like a club sandwich that is like, feels like really like fresh and healthy and stuff. So it's like, uh, uh like, like there's, a huge variety and you want to show them the, the possibilities there. So you probably get them like a Buffalo chicken slider. You probably do get the mozzarella sticks. You get both kinds of fries and then maybe you get like a roast beef sandwich or like the, the, the beef and cheddar or something like that. And I think that's uh, and then you like let them, you, you just got to everyone to like, just you sit down, get a knife, you cut everything in half and you share the meal. And then they'll be like, wow, this is, this is incredible. Cause it's Arby's and it is. And it's true. It's a S tier fast food restaurant for sure. Man, you answered that so chill, so cool. You didn't skip a beat. That's why I love having you on, man. Like, <laughs> it's in my switch. heart. It's right there. Gosh, dude. All right. Uh, let's uh, the final thing just to close out on, just for kicks. Uh, what you've been playing lately? I've been playing a game called White Shadows, which is a small indie game. It's very in the vein of Limbo. I'm actually rather enjoying it, but uh, it's a little quirky and weird. Uh, also playing a game coming out, an indie game called Blackwind, which. Uh, embargo releases in a little while. I'm enjoying that. What's uh What's on your your radar currently? What are you playing right now, man? Yeah, uh, we did uh we did Anacrusis like I mentioned earlier. That's a lot of fun. I think people should check that out once it launches. It's uh it's gonna be. I think uh, I think it's gonna surprise a lot of people. I think it's gonna come out of nowhere. Um, and if I think if, if people play it like it's a um like the way that like older dudes go golfing. Like oh, I'm just gonna go golfing with my friends every weekend and um. They don't like, yeah, they keep, they keep score and some are more competitive than the others. But for the most part, it's about going out and playing with your friends. And it doesn't matter that the course didn't even change that much. Anacrusis is like, what if you went to the same golf course, but it changed a little bit each time. And, uh, and, but it was really just a way to hang out with your friends and the game knew that. And the game understood that that's what it was there for. Um, that's what it feels like. And I think that's why it's going to be right in that really, um, safe space of like, of serving that that need in a really creative and clever way um and then i've been playing uh i've been playing my analog pocket a bit i'm still playing through uh, donkey kong 94 i had to play that a little bit when i was doing the review and then i was trying a bunch of other stuff so i put it to the side now i'm like now it's in there full time now i'm gonna play that game um to completion again and um and then we've on, on stream i played ultimate muscle uh, legends versus new generations which is a uh, I saw a game. clip of that. This is yes. nuts. <laughs> it is. It is really. It was nuts. Then it's even crazier now because like you just don't get games like this anymore. Not, not really. It's um. It's a GameCube wrestling game from Aki, the the studio that made like uh, WWF No Mercy and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. but it's based on a Japanese anime that I think has had a an, an English language version. I've never really seen. It. I think maybe I've seen an episode was on TV once uh, when I was like heading somewhere, and so I couldn't really watch it. But uh, it, it's basically just like um those gotcha machines that have those little rubber like wrestler characters in it it's it's like that uh but then like actual like 
the game is actually just a full anime and it looks like an anime and it runs on GameCube and it's gorgeous. And we were playing on Dolphin and we were using NetPlay so we could play each other online and it just ran fantastic and it's so much fun. It's so wild. And the character designs are so bizarre that it's just, it's a really good time and I always have a lot of fun with that. And then, uh, then yeah, then I'm just playing a lot of Halo and stuff like that. So Halo multiplayer, whenever we get a chance, uh, looking forward to uh, Splatoon 3. So I was playing Splat- Splatoon 2 as well, but that that's kind of been my week. Nice. I uh, I just finished in the last, like over the holiday break, I did uh, Infinite on Legendary, which was a blast. Uh, and then I did, I, just because I was in the mood to do more Legendary runs of, of Halo, I went and did Halo Reach on Legendary, which I don't in the original, but I was diving back into the Master Chief collection. And consistently when I go back into that collection, I'm just in awe of the love and care they gave the Halo franchise. And it just made me appreciate, I think I even tweeted about it, just how much collections are great. For franchises mm-hmm. you know like i, I love Good it there's, point, a, there's, yeah. there's a, a ninja guidance collection out there the, the uh mass effect legendary uh, edition is is now on game pass you can play all the mass effect sans andromeda you can when people put collections out and they're available to everyone i love that i think it's great you know yes i agree that's uh i think um it's the it's, it's almost like the right way of doing it too like i, I mean um Full remakes are awesome, but they're such big uh, undertakings and things like that, that I'd almost most of the time just have a a collection that does give that love that you were mentioning. That's like almost the ideal. Like, let's do a lot of those. Like, um, like the the thing with Nintendo might be doing with Metroid Prime. Like, they're like, oh, okay, we're going to do a Metroid Prime. Maybe maybe it's a remake. It's the remaster. I'm like, actually, just do a remaster of the trilogy that came out on Wii and make sure it runs on controller and call Mm -hmm. it a day, really, at that point. Because those games barely need anything done to them. Uh, and but now we're just going to get Metroid Prime one and it's going to be I mean, maybe it's going to blow me away, maybe. But I, I'm just I have my reservations. So we'll see. It's only Prime one. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, that's it's bummer. that's only, it's just Prime one. Yep. Gotcha. I, uh, I'd i also love for them to do a 2D collection of the Metroid games because those Game Boy Advance titles were awesome. Zero Mission and Fusion yes. and such. Those were. Great. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Those were more great. of that. More of that. Hopefully, hopefully uh, Konami gets around to Castlevania DS collection. Hopefully we get that as well. So we'll see. Yep. Yep. Well, Jeff Grubb, uh, host of the Summer Game Mess of Games Beat Decide and so many other uh, different. You're on the Internet. You're 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 on the Internet. That is uh, correct. My friend, <laughs> point people to where they can find you and any projects that you would like them to have eyes on in the upcoming weeks, man. Yeah, I, I mean, just just follow me on Twitter at Jeff Grubb. And then uh, I, I post almost everything I'm doing there. Uh, I post a lot of other BS as well, but but anytime I'm doing something, it's it's on there. Um, there's a link to my my Discord, my community Discord, discord.gg slash game mess. That's on my Twitter as well. Uh, we talk a lot about games. We try to keep track of of events in the game mess channel, but we have a ton of other channels for a ton of other stuff. And then um, I also have a show on Giant Bomb called called Grub Snacks, and I do that every Thursday morning. Uh, we do it live. And we just kind of talk about the game news i try to bring some new interesting rumors and reports that i can uh tell people about and then i answer a lot of questions and it's it's interactive and it's a good time it's a premium show so you have to get giant bomb uh premium uh but that's uh that's a good deal because there's a ton of great content on giant bomb so uh definitely show up for that if you if you enjoyed this at all i would really appreciate it very cool well guys you can find uh xbox expansion pass all your podcast services you're listening to it now but you can also follow it over on youtube uh, you can like it uh, on the old YouTube page. And, of course, Spotify is doing ratings now. So if you use Spotify, please, of course, throw it five stars there. Jeff Grubb, thank you so much for joining me here on the first episode of 2022's XEP, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a really good time. I'm glad I could kick off the year for you.